0: The Oscars are in the books as they all are, maybe they don't use books anymore. They're online somewhere. <laughs> They're you can on- find them online.
1: <laughs> That's right. They're on the Facebook
0: feed. The 2020 Academy Awards have been announced, and we're using a while ago. You guys already know who won. And we're using this opportunity to say what are the best and worst films that have ever been nominated and approved by the Academy. Those idiots. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, it was interesting looking at all 92 of the Oscar best picture winners. There were a lot that I wouldn't say were all that great of pictures, honestly. So, but we'll get into that. That's right.
0: What is up my nerds? Welcome inside pop culture with fanboy and know it all and back inside our crazy brains.
1: I'm Paul. I'm Jake. <laughs> Just wanted to mix it up for you guys a little bit. Shake things up. Shake things up. It's after the Oscars. It's time to shake things up. It feels weird because the Oscars were so early this year. I know yeah. we talked
0: about that a little bit yeah. on the last podcast as we talked about like a preview of what was coming up in the Oscars, but now we're doing a back view. A, a retrospective, right?
1: If you will, right? On what was it? Ninety-two years of. I think it's ninety-two Academy years. Award history. Do you know the very first Academy Award winner for Best I, Picture? Uh,
0: I I know I saw it when I was doing my list, but I don't remember what it was.
1: Mm. Wings, wings. That's right. Not the TV show. Not to be confused. With the TV show. <laughs> exactly. The yeah. only silent movie to ever win an Oscar, unless you count. The what Artist? was it? The Artist. Yeah.
0: Which, so. Why would I not count the artist?
1: The artist is pretty great. Well, it did have a word. It, it did had have a word. word. Yeah I never watched the artist. Oh my goodness Backlist We need to put it on there. There we go.'ll we'll we add to the backlist. Uh,
0: so of course the Oscars comes under lots of controversy from all sides people that think it's too elitist, people that think it's outdated, people that think it's amazing. people that think it is liberal, people that think it's not liberal enough too liberal not liberal enough too old not old enough i don't know it gets a they don't have very good entertainment they have a hard time finding the right mcs for their events at least in the modern
1: age did they they ever have good mcs they did they've had some really good mcs not lately but yeah, I mean, back when Billy Crystal was doing it, it was pretty fun. Ellen DeGeneres did a great job, I thought that one time that she did it. She's probably done it more than did once.
0: Did they do a good job, or were people just less critical? That's it one, that's another thing I want to uh, know. Is that we didn't have? I wonder how many people actually liked it, and or didn't like it back in the day, and just didn't have a voice for it, or maybe they did really like it.
1: Well, like, that are is we truly really... more critical, or we just have more outlets for our criticality, I think... our critiques. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. And I think that the, the more outlets for criticality boosts our natural criticism, you yeah. know, because it sort of becomes this sounding board where you hear all this noise, and so you feel like you have to chime in, you have to take a side, you have to, you know,
0: yeah. It's, I always like that Switchfoot said, if we're adding to the noise, turn off this song. There you go. Like I thought, that was very self-aware. Uh, we wanted to to talk about. We wanted to add our voice to the noise. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it's critique. It's really the antithesis I, of I what we do yeah, here. Don't turn off this this podcast. We are going to add to the noise. We want you to. We want to add to the noise. I don't. I don't have any interest in lessening your noise, but I do want Sorry, to make more fun. And, Sorry, and less. You know, less cynical. I think we're less cynical.
1: I think right? generally we are, yeah. but I don't know if we're less cynical about the Oscars. You that's seem kind of, of right. cynical about the Oscars. I do
0: tend to be a little bit more cynical about
1: the Oscars. Yeah. But that's not what we're here to talk
0: about. We're here to talk about <laughs> – we're going to do the best Oscar winners in our estimation. Best, yes. Over best picture Oscar winners. Best picture Oscar winners. And we're also going to let you know what we thought after that. Uh, who were the worst best picture Oscar winners? And I went the extra mile. I don't know. Paul did. To – because I've heard if you're going to say what you think shouldn't have won, you need to replace it with what should have won. Oh,
1: man. Now, Paul That's, doesn't
0: have to do that, but I did that.
1: Goodness gracious. To show Paul up. I didn't... Yeah, you know. yeah. Well, it, there's a first time for everything. <laughs> so, uh... I may have to... I'll, I'll do some research as we do it. So
0: let's... Without further ado, let's dive into our critique of The Oscars. <laughs> Paul is frantically researching what films came out the year that he picked for the worst <laughs> Oscar. I'm trying to talk really slow so he has time. Well,
1: I'm going to have to do it as time goes on. Yeah. So
0: And it really throws you off when you do it for the Oscars because you'll be like, oh, the 2020 Oscars. And so you're like, what are the best movies of 2020? Well, Paul, that's not going to help you because – the 2020 oscars picked the best movie of 2019
1: it gets very it's a confusing. very
0: dumb naming convention it
1: really is it, it sort of drives you a little bit crazy it's a yeah. little bit like honestly it's like the nfl because did so and so win right the 2020 super bowl or did they the win the 2019 season. season right exactly it's very annoying very annoying <clears throat> so without let's just
0: dive right into let's dive right in who were who were the are your favorites the best Oscar winners
1: of all time? Paul, who's number five for you? Number five, Ben Hur. Ben Hur. Ben Hur. We've talked about Ben Hur quite a bit. It seems like so I, we have, but I think that was in a another life. On another <laughs> <Yeah. show laughs> called, Do you think it was called the Plugged In Podcast? Oh, really? That's I right. thought we had talked about it here too. So 1959. You it is it. the quintessential epic from the days of the epic this was the era of the epic where you had thousands upon thousands of cast members you didn't have CGI you had just three gazillion people fill in a stadium all about spectacular special effects about chariot races it had Charlton Heston Exactly. practical effects and it was super cool Ben-Hur I think is the ultimate epic Um, I know that some people feel that it's overrated I do not. I really like Charlton Heston in here. He is at his ultimate Charlton Hestonish. It has a great resonant storyline, and it has one of the most iconic scenes in all of film history, that chariot race. You just mm. can't go wrong with the chariot race. Yeah. For me... Um... There's what been three Ben Hur movies?
0: Yes. now made over the At course least. of the last hundred or so years. At least, I've not seen any of them. I've read the book. What? But I've not watched any of the movies. You are kidding yeah. me! Another backlist we yeah. need to get on. Yet. But i read the book, so yeah, I feel like I got yeah. The full listen experience. to you.
1: Every time we talk about Ben Hur, he has to drop that fact. I've I've read the book. <laughs> I've read the book. Unbridged. Do you want to talk about War and Peace?
0: I've read the book. I've not read War and Peace. Uh, I've, read, I've read War I bet and Paul Peace. Has. <laughs> All right. Number five for me from uh, 1989. This one surprised me a little bit, but it, it came from my birth year, so I feel like that means something. Rain Man. Rain Man. Yeah. This one's interesting to me because I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan. Mm-hmm. I like Dustin Hoffman fine, but I never had any particular affinity. For Dustin Hoffman, right, right, but there's just something endearing about this brother, this story of two brothers, one a pretty selfish Jagoff is probably the right 1980s right. term for that, J A G O F F, right? I've uh, never heard it, that? and I'm a child of the 80s, but that's fine. <laughs> we'll just go on. You were a pretty nerdy child of the 80s. I wasn't pretty. There's there's to that. But that would have made me think you didn't. You might have. You didn't call anybody a Jagoff. Maybe the, I was. Is nice that a 90s person. term?
1: I think it's probably a 90s. Are we going to get a
0: mature rating on this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, Tom Cruise is a bit of a jerk who wants to exploit his special needs, developmentally challenged or disabled brother for his own financial profit, and yet somehow comes to a bond with him. And uh, you know, this is just ends up being a pretty sweet movie a very touching movie dustin hoffman you know was was this here's a question i had that i didn't have time to re- research and maybe you can help me with this was this one of the earliest cases where we had an actor who was of who was not developmentally disabled playing a developmentally disabled character
1: that's a really good question because i know we've
0: had many since
1: yeah. Yeah. You've, no, I think
0: Radio Famously with Cuba Gooding Jr.
1: Radio Famously um Daniel Day-Lewis in my left foot. Yeah. Um not d- to Did my left dis- foot come? Labeled. It that was He was physically
0: disabled though, wasn't he? He was
1: physically disabled. Yes. Yeah, so it actually came I believe the year before or the year after. Um yeah, so this was sort of a time when it seemed like there was a trend, if you will, in that area where you had some really quality actors, sort of sort of taking on um, some of some of these these personas and, and Billy Bob Thornton, exactly Slingblade. Sling Man, I forgot all about that. What's movie. eating? Was it What's Eating Gilbert Grape? That Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio did it. Yeah, it seemed
0: like maybe like the eighties, nineties were like sort of the era for yeah. that. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was actually the first role that that I had seen Leonardo DiCaprio, in in, in part because he was like all of eight. But it, it might have been, I think to this day, still his best role. He was he was tremendous in that movie. Yeah. But Dustin Hoffman was in Rain Man as well. Yeah. There
0: you
1: go. Number four. Number for four you, Paul. I this you know, this was a really hard list for me to develop actually. And again, this is one of those things where I think that had we done this yesterday, had we done it tomorrow, this list might look a little bit different. Um, But I went with, maybe I was just feeling a little bit glum and depressed or whatnot. Mm. I went with The Deer Hunter. Ooh. I have not seen. That is seen, dark for you. It is dark for me. But I think that because of the type of movie it was, it's, it's essentially this Vietnam movie. It's, it's about um, two, uh, about a group of, of, of men who go off to Vietnam fight in the Vietnam War. They're longtime buddies and how the war changes them, shapes them, and in some ways destroys them. This is the movie that uh, Robert De Niro was in it. He starred in it. Um, Christopher Walken actually won a Best Supporting Actor for this, Um, and it was the first time that I had been exposed. This was a pretty early movie for me. I'd actually seen this when I was 19 or 20, Mm. and it's a pretty harsh movie. Um, but it was the first movie that I had actually been a, come to be aware of Something called Russian Roulette And it was, I remember it just so well Those particular scenes and, and sort of the heartbreak that you see around some of these men um, It really brought to mind kind of the horrors of war And and and, and what happens to, to the psyche of people when they go off to war So yeah, it, it impacted me deeply
0: Do you know how I learned about Russian Roulette? Hmm. I'm fairly certain it was an episode of suspense, the old radio show. Really? Where some guys were playing Russian roulette. Wow, that's very interesting. So there you go. All right, number four on my list. Do you think Russians get upset that it's known as Russian roulette? Um, I feel like
1: that feels sort of wrong.
0: Yeah, I feel like they probably that would probably be offensive. Yeah, I mean, Russians. I was just kind of curious. Yeah. Seems like that would not I be. I gotta great. think it probably would be, but it's sort of like because Russians are of Caucasian dis, you know mm-hmm. appearance, we would call them you know, we're like people are still allowed to be like racist against Russians. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's right. All right. I'm right. just right. saying culturally I'm... like we're still okay being racist towards like white ethnicities.
1: Gotcha gotcha anyway
0: i'm not saying that's right i'm just saying we still accept it we still make
1: jokes about the irish
0: we still make jokes about the russians
1: yeah the irish the poor irish the british teeth the british teeth the french and their wimpiness and their their nastiness when they're serving you at restaurants yeah like the kind of their their arrogance you know germans and their accents we can still make fun of germans and their accents and other things it doesn't seem right whatever
0: you do don't mention the war Little little faulty towers there for you. Number four on my list is from nineteen eighty two. Chariots 80s. of Fire.
1: That's interesting. Chariots of Fire. Do you yeah. really like that movie or are you just having on this
0: list? Uh I I have to say I really do appreciate this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I looked at other movies that came out that year, there wasn't anything else I wanted to put ahead of it. And although wasn't Raiders of the Lost Ark that same year? I enjoyed Raiders Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it's also not you know, oh. Raiders of the Lost Ark I put in the really fun popcorn type of cinema, not Oscar cinema. I was, I was trying to build my list on what is good, like Oscar cinema that I can appreciate. Gotcha. And so, yeah, chariots of fire, isn't that kind of one that I'm going to come back to and just watch for fun any given Sunday. But I think it's a very profound movie and it tells some pretty interesting, pretty interesting, what I would call like a sliding glass door story between two characters in Eric Liddell and his rival. And two different approaches to their craft and to their worldview in life and how that impacts them as men and as competitors. And, uh, you know, of course, there's there's for sure nostalgia around this one for me. And I know it's my dad's favorite movie. So Oh, of yeah. Course I was exposed to it very young because I was like, well, we got to watch this movie.
1: That's that's interesting. I was also exposed to it when I was fairly young. Um, I thought That's it was a funny th- way to reference Chariots of Fire. <laughs> I was exposed to Chariots of Fire when I was young. When we <laughs> therapy. Anyways, keep going. I thought when I first saw it, I thought it was the most boring movie I had ever seen. Even though, certainly, even at that age, I still appreciated certain things about it. But yeah, it was just a bunch of people running around in their underwear in the 1920s, and I thought. I don't know. This doesn't seem like my type of movie. I've seen it a couple of times since and it's a really good movie. It 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 grows on you actually. I would
0: say I didn't I I for sure didn't have an appreciation for it to this depth when I was that age, except that it was like Dad said this is a cool movie. Yeah. And it's his favorite, so I gotta watch it.
1: Well, it has, yeah. It's it it's really nice so, so number three another movie i know that we have talked about because i have recollections of doing this within your office <laughs> bridge on the river kwai yes we have talked about that one quite a few times <laughs> on this show bridge on never the River never on the plugged kwai. in podcast though yeah so. no we yeah yeah you Which need is to where be a we guest on, about ben Hur. yeah we need to have you as a guest on the, on the new plugged in that vod- would yeah. be fun we should sneak me out <laughs> that, would be, that would be so great that would be really great but that's an aside. <laughs> I don't know if I need to say anything more about Bridge on the River Kwai. Although it <laughs> it is appropriate that we're talking about blowing up bridges. That, <laughs> very
0: inside baseball here but Yes,
1: absolutely. So, but it's a great movie. It's a it's a fantastic movie about Again, this is, this is sort of the psychology of warfare. Not necessarily the psychology of warfare, but really the psychology within the context of war of doing a good job and doing your duty and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it, I think it's one of the most compelling character studies that there is in cinema.
0: Paul likes to give me a hard time about uh, my appreciation for movies with mostly male casts. <laughs> and he just named Deer Hunter... <laughs> and Bridge Over the River Quiet. I'm pretty sure there's not a single female in the Bridge Over the oh River Quiet. Oh, my Fly.
1: goodness. Yeah, you know what? Now that I'm looking at my list, you're, this is going to be, yeah. Okay, anyway.
0: Um, and there are for sure women in Chariots of Fire.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to think of one. There is the one. And the There's, know, there's the,
0: the wives. Oh, there and, is a yeah. girlfriend in there. Yeah.
1: And there's a sister. Yeah. There's, there's in there. Yeah, there's no women in Bridge Over the River Quiet at no. all. At all. Total Sausage Fest. All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> number three definitely we're going for the of mature Paul's ratings. Favorite movies. Sausage party. Oh my goodness. Um, so overrated. <laughs> number three for me, uh let's see. I was going back and forth on this, but I'm gonna stick to the eighties. You are a child of the eighties for this list. Which is funny because all of these movies came out before I was born. But uh, I actually had to watch this this one from 1981 in college in a public speaking class. Gotcha. And it's Ordinary People.
1: Ordinary People. I've never seen
0: it. Ordinary People is a fascinating movie with Donald Sutherland. Mary, Mary Tyler, Tyler Moore, Moore. A young um,
1: – Timothy, Timothy Dalton. No, not Timothy no. Dalton. Timothy Hutton. Hutton. Is that yeah. him? I.
0: Oh, my gosh. Where's my – I'm gonna look it up as I talk about it, but it yeah. was a fascinating, like, because again, it's one that tend is a little slower. It's about a teenage boy grappling with a tragedy and a family grappling with a tragedy, um, mm-hmm. and figuring out life and transition and drifting apart from one another inside the confines of their seemingly nice, you know. Yeah, uh, well-appointed home and everything was good before that. They were the picture of the healthy nuclear family and this tragedy bl- really blows them up and this kid is trying to f- struggle with guilt and loss and loneliness and he's got this hard-nosed therapist
1: who's really challenging him and his pity and yeah, it ends up being a pretty fascinating film. You know, this is a movie that I've actually always wanted to see in part because I grew Cutting. up Timothy Hutton. Timothy Hutton. So we were right. Um, I grew up watching (coughs) Mary Tyler Moore. um, And this was a very different role from her than in the TV show, obviously. And so I've always been a little bit curious about it. But it also felt like a really just fascinating character study. It was. It worked. And it was directed by Robert Redford. Robert Redford. He's done some good work, actually. He's done quite a bit of good work
0: over the course of his lifetime.
1: I don't think I'd want him as president for the next 23 terms, but... <laughs> for the next 23 terms. It's a reference for The Watchmen in in, in HBO's The Watchmen. Ah, oh, got it. Haven't watched that. All right, number two, Paul, for you. Number two. So this is interesting. You've picked a lot of movies from the 80s. Mm-hmm. For me, I think the classic Oscars time was the 90s, believe 90s. it or not. And I think that the, part of the reason is is it was sort of a nice bridge between when when Oscar movies, the really good Oscar movies, they still drew a crowd. They were still popular movies. They would still be watchable movies, um, but still really good. Now we sort of have, oftentimes, in the Oscar movies that we see, they're movies that maybe not hardly anybody, but you know, us movie reviewers have actually seen. Yeah. So I think that the '90s were a great mix of sort of that populist sentiment and just really good quality. Yeah, I will say, when I was looking over the list of the ones in the '90s,
0: there were a lot that jumped out as, "Oh, those are on my backlist Hall of Shame." Because like, <laughs> when I started finally, when I like I was too young to watch them in the '90s, and then as I started to work my way back through all the stuff I missed, I started in the '80s, and then like.
1: Gotcha. You know, only
0: hit certain things in the 90s, mostly like the fun comedic stuff. Most of the David Spade and Chris Farley and Adam Sandler <laughs> stuff. In Not the stuff that you see on the Not Oscar all the, telecast. Like, but then you think yeah. about what I watched in the 80s and it was a lot of this really deep stuff. So it was a fascinating – it was a fascinating look back at my own viewing experience. But the gotcha.
1: 90s, number two. Number two. What? It
0: was <laughs> – I already forgot.
1: I was almost about to say the wrong film. Silence of the Lambs. Really? Silence of the Lambs. And I knew this was going to yeah. make you
0: cringe. To- I've, I've, yeah, I've told that story.
1: Yeah, yeah. But for me, Silence of the Lambs was just really tautly crafted. It's a very, very disturbing movie for on sure. so many different levels. And if you like that, it's well made. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know that I'm, I'm kind of a disturbed movie goer sometimes. This I think is proving <laughs> it. Was, it was anchored by two incredible performances. Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster were just amazing in this. And I think that in terms of how they constructed the story, it's, it's a good example of what we're talking about as, as far as these 90s movies go. Because this was a movie that was very watchable, if it was your type of movie. Yeah, Absolutely. It was very tautly constructed. It had sort of that, that almost Alfred Hitchcock feel to it. Um, but it had sort of that depth and resonance and, and just, it was just constructed really well on a lot of different levels. So I, I really appreciated Silence of the Lambs, even though it's, yeah, it's kind of a creepy movie to put on my list. Hmm. Number two for me, jumping full full three
0: decades. Ooh. Right. Interesting. Yeah, three decades into the future. 2011, The King's Speech. The King's Speech. The King's Speech. Never I saw it. Also watched this in the same class that I watched Ordinary People, which is a funny thing. It was a public speaking class. And this one makes a lot more sense for public speaking than ordinary makes a people. a lot more Like sense. ordinary people, she had to jump through some hoops to be like, well, it's about you know, understanding how to read people and understand where they're at and to connect with them emotionally. And that's what this movie did a really good job of. So that's why we're going to watch it. The King speech is much more straightforward because it's literally about the King of England (laughs) trying to figure out how to speak publicly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Another movie on your list that I have not actually seen. I have not seen. Yeah. Backlist
0: for Paul. Um, Like this, uh, this movie just gave me further appreciation for Jeffrey Rush. As an actor, um, and was one of the last crazy roles for one of the last uncrazy roles for Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> she does non-crazy stuff well.
0: She does. She really, really does. It's fast. Like, and that was how I first saw her. Was in Twelfth Night. Right. And. Even though that's goofy film, it was
1: it was a, you know not a crazy yeah. character. Anyway. She wasn't zapping people with wands and stuff. She was she hadn't met Tim Burton yet. <laughs> she hadn't met Tim Burton. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, the King's Speech ends up being quite a fascinating film. Again, it's sort of funny to look at this list and to see a lot of movies, almost all of them, until my number one pick that kind of fly in the face of Paul's. Uh, caricature of me that says I like I know what's films up with this fast paced and a mile a minute, and then I'm picking all these slower paced films, but I think they're really good examples of film that films that although they're slow there's very little wasted energy, yeah in them everything almost everything has a purpose, you know, maybe the one I, uh, it much, like a, to, much like,
1: much like 2001: Space I, Odyssey.
0: I would accuse, I would accuse Chariots of Fire of any of these on the list of lingering in places where it doesn't need to linger. <laughs> like it men, does linger. Men running on the beach. Yes. You know? All right. In their underwear. I, I, they're not in underwear. Close. They're, those were the workout clothes of the time. Paul. <laughs> anyway. So the King's Speech,
1: 2011. Number two on my list. Paul. What's number one? All right. Number four, one. Before we get to number one, I have to ask. What was close to making your list? Did you have like ones that you wanted to put on your list that you didn't? Um, yeah. I, I the,
0: Of course, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Um, we've talked about that one ad nauseum. That was number seven on my list. Yeah, so I had that one uh, near there. Um, that was probably the big... Uh, I appreciated The Hurt Locker yeah. Uh, yeah, as well. That one would have been in, in that... Range, um, yeah, but there weren't. There weren't. I did not feel like
1: when I was looking at this list, there weren't a whole lot of movies where I'm like, I love these movies. Yeah, that's an interesting thing about this study, isn't it? I, I think that most of the time, and even even this particular Oscar season, it it, it felt very of a piece in a way where I think that that the best movies for a given year typically didn't win best picture. I can count on maybe one, two hands. The number of, of times when I think that a best picture winner was actually the best picture of the year. Yeah.
0: I had a much easier time with my worst list and what I would replace it with.
1: Yeah, no, I got that. So I got that. All right. Number one, number one for me, another movie we've talked about. This will come as no surprise. Can you guess it?
0: I you know I probably could if I, uh, I but I can't right now. Schindler's
1: List. Ah uh, yes, Schindler's List. This was one. This would have, have been it. one of my fingers on the list on my little two hands of a movie that I think really deserved it. It was a yep. uh, 1993. It mm-hmm. won. Uh, I thought that it was. It's still, I think, one of the most impactful movies that I've seen. Um, Steven Spielberg's crowning jewel, I think, and and what has been a really great career. Great performance by Liam Neeson. Really powerful message. I just thought it was great. Yeah,
0: and it's another one that's on my backlist because again, sort of the weight of that content. Is always kind of it always sort of gets bumped off that watch list when it's like, Yeah, I can't do that right now.
1: Well it is a heavy movie. It yeah. really is. It's one of those I even things wrote where...
0: about Oscar Schindler in high school, like at length. Yeah. I just could never get to watching the movie.
1: It is hard. It is just a hard movie to sit down and watch. It is It's like the marriage story from this past year actually in some ways, where where you just it's it's very gripping. It's very good. You know it's good but it's a hard movie to stomach. It's like silence. It's like yeah. silence. Yep.
0: Number one for me, I will never forget seeing advertising for this film as a child. and I was too young to watch it and thinking, <laughs> how could somebody be making a movie about this terrible, terrible thing? <laughs>
1: and it's number one on and your now list. now it's
0: number one on my list is my favorite Oscar winner. And again, this could change many times, you know, once I see more Oscars. Sure. Winners. But... It was from 2001, Gladiator.
1: Gladiator! <laughs> so after all, the slow okay. films, after all the slow films I picked, then it's like, yeah, Gladiator. All, all the work you've done to dispel all of my, yeah. Then it goes <laughs> right blow back it, to form. Blow right back. But one of the most memorable villains, of
0: all, and creepiest, and just most disgusting Joaquin villains Phoenix. of all time in Joaquin Phoenix. You know, this was prime Russell Crowe. Before we, before he kind of flew off the handle, this was in, you know, his manliest and the action sequences, the speeches, oh, you yeah. know, just thinking through the speeches that he gives
1: and screaming at the crowd. Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> I am
0: Maximus. Julius.
1: Yeah, it is interesting, though, that the gladiator topped your list and Lord of the Rings Return of the King didn't even make didn't even make your top five it didn't and 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 i think that's frankly that's a a bit of the. uh
0: it was i think probably more of a victim of how much i've talked about it yeah i get that i I, honestly i could put return of the king up here and be perfectly okay with that but i was like i've talked about the return of the king a lot so maybe i'll just leave it off the list for this time (laughs) um and that's sort of the fun of these lists is that Yeah, but also it's it's a better standalone film. And that was sort of the other thing that made me feel okay about leaving Return of the King off is you can't just pop in Return of the King and be like, all right, let's watch this film. But Gladiator is a is a standalone story, right? You you start and finish. You get all that you need for this story and it manages to to work through some some great acting, some awesome, fantastic action sequences and some really heartbreaking moments
1: along the way that'll really make you tear up. Yeah, made me cry all the time. No, not really. But but it how is a really that? good. Yes. No, it re- it is a good movie, and I, I think that this is one of those movies that sometimes it sort of gets lumped in with the Shakespeare and Love type of crew where you think how how did this win Best Picture? Sure. But I think it really is a very solid, good movie. You know, yeah. it's it's. It's fun in a populist sort of way. It's really well constructed. Um, If I was going to do a sword and sandals epic, I still think Ben-Hur is better. But until you watch it, you can't judge until, yeah.
0: Yeah, the the turn of the century from the 90s to the 2000s was a very interesting time for the Oscars.
1: It really was. As
0: As you saw sort of this battle, like you almost saw the Oscars going back and forth over the different years between these more populist films, and then these really inaccessible right. films. And one of them is on my list of worst. Oh, very interesting. So we can... A pro segue. We can make that segue. Paul, what's number five on your list of the worst Oscar winners. See, this time. would be
1: a great time if we actually had sponsors. This would be a great time to insert <laughs> a sponsorship.
0: Right. This half of the episode <laughs> is brought to you by Mister Clean White Sponges. <laughs> they help you blot out mistakes on the history of your wall. <laughs> I don't know if they're called white sponges; they just are white. I think they're just called Mister Clean Sponges. <laughs> <laughs> all why right, why don't you sponsor us, Mister Clean,
1: and we'll we'll get your advertising right. <laughs> You know, I I was actually really curious whether any of your best movies were going to land on my worst movie list mm. and vice versa. Right. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, so far like it sounds like none have. Well, we'll see. Oh, we'll see. Number 5. Number 5. Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, well, look at you hating on Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think it's one of those movies where in our... Um, it can feel a little insensitive
0: now. Oh, interesting. You know,
1: I think that that it has not worn as well as it might have. Um, I really enjoyed the movie when I first watched it, but it was it was 30 years ago. And I think that, that now that we look at Driving Miss Daisy, it feels a little bit um, too nice. That doesn't make it a bad movie. It's still really enjoyable in its own way, but... Even even <coughs> setting aside some of that political correctness, it feels a little lightweight. Hmm. You know, it just feels a little lightweight. It almost feels um, too nice. It wasn't liberal enough. It wasn't liberal enough. That is correct. Yes. That is correct. So yep. so I'm that's never going to watch it. Now you've I'm never policy. watched it? No, I never did. Oh
0: my goodness! Probably because I knew it wasn't liberal enough for me. <laughs> 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 All right. Number five, uh, I. All right. For four out of my five bottom Oscars, I wanted to say, like, I had to have seen the film. Uh, But I made it. Oh, yes, you have to see the film. Oh, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. I forgot. I forgot. I have to I did all this research while you were blathering on about oh, yes. your well, best yeah, picture. What were you gonna give so, it
0: to instead of driving Miss
1: Daisy? Instead of driving Miss Daisy, I would have given it to you know what? Sadly enough, the, the one that I would have given it to didn't even get nominated for Best Picture. I probably would have given it to Henry V, Kenneth Branagh's first movie. Look at that. I've seen that film. But the other ones that were nominated for Best Picture, Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poet Society, oh, wow. Field of Dreams, My Left Foot. I thought you loved Dead Poet Society I, and Daniel Day Lewis. I I've never seen my left foot. You call yourself a fan. I know. It's a shameful. You are. I would but I would vote I would vote for Dead Poet Society. Dead. Yeah.
0: All right. All right. So for the top Four on my bottom worst list. <laughs> I had seen all the films in their entirety. Uh, for this one, I made an exception uh, because I think there were just so many other great films that came out that year that should have won.
1: Um, this
0: film... And then I, when I I did some digging, this film still doesn't even rank in the top 200 films on IMDb based on user ratings. And so that means like it can't have been in the best film of that year if there were 200 you know like, <laughs> especially when there's these other films that are in the top 200 that i would have given all right so, what was, so what was the year so the year was 2000 so 2000. this is this is where i feel like they got a little less populist after yeah. maybe the, or right before they got more populist again in 2001 with gladiator yeah that makes sense uh in 2000 american beauty American Beauty Worn. and that is just a creepy creepy movie. I've seen little scenes. I read the plugged in review and of course now with all that <laughs> so we know about Kevin Spacey You're judging it one of the
1: worst movies. Well, yes.
0: The Kevin Spacey It's it's even creepier now that like yeah. because the whole movie is about a middle-aged white man with these like very inappropriate sexual fantasies about a high school girl. There you go. And like, that was the best movie of the year, Academy Awards. <laughs> this... When when The Green Mile came out that same year. When Fight Club came out that so same overrated. year. So
1: overrated. So overrated.
0: Like, I would have given it to both of those films.
1: What else was nominated that year?
0: Uh, the nomination, I don't have all five nominations for the 2000 Academy Awards. I'll pull them up for you here, though. Um, but did you see American Beauty?
1: I did not see American Beauty. Good.
0: I yeah. would have had to shut you down if you. <laughs> if no, you
1: yeah, it was. But Billy Crystal hosted that year, by the way. Yeah, Billy Crystal was great. Yeah, that what was were you the gonna best say thing about, about the Oscars. Um, yeah, you know, I have actually never had a desire to see American Beauty for it's some good. reason. You know, it's not even on my backlist. I I, I remember hearing about it. I remember hearing that it was good, but I don't know. Just never really struck my fancy. It, I do think it sort of creeped me out a little bit. You know, it just didn't, yeah, didn't spark my interest.
0: Best Picture nominees other than American Beauty were The Cider House Rules. Nope. The Green Mile. Maybe. The Insider.
1: The the Insider, that's another Russell Crowe movie. A fat Russell Crowe movie. The Sixth Sense. Oh, Sixth Sense. Slam dunk. Yeah. We've talked about
0: before how that was ruined for me by spoilers. Yeah. Like, I think I just couldn't
1: fully appreciate, you know, that reveal because I knew the whole time. You know what? I think that one thing that this podcast is revealing to me, we've done too many podcasts. We've talked about so many of these movies <laughs> on previous podcasts. Well, a lot of these are new. All right. All right. Number four on my list. This is a movie that likely you will have not seen. I don't think many of our listeners will have heard uh, Grand Hotel. 1932. Oh, no. I haven't seen that one. So this was a movie that I actually really wanted to see because it starred some of the greatest, um, greatest golden age of Hollywood figures. It had Greta Garbo. It had uh, two Barrymore brothers, John and Lionel Barrymore. It had Joan Crawford. Um, and so I was expecting to see like some fantastic golden age cinema it felt like it was a fairly typical story. I mean, it wasn't bad. It's still worth a watch because you get to see Greta Garbo. And how often do you get to see Greta Garbo in anything anymore? Um, But it was a little bit disappointing for the buildup that it sort of had made in my mind. Yeah. You know, I cannot say that I know of what should have won in 1932 because i have not watched any other movies besides grand hotel from 1932 <laughs> the only one. but uh, just looking at the list i'm thinking shanghai express that sounds pretty interesting that's that's what i'm voting for <laughs>
0: there you go <laughs> number 4 on my list 1977 oh um, rocky rocky on one of the
1: how did that happen
0: i just don't think it holds up very well. I don't think what? it's a great film. I think it's emotionally, we're wrapped up in this whole, this is the American story. Like we've sort of said Rocky is the American experience. We, we'll it is not a great film. It's okay. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm just saying uh, Taxi Driver came out in 1977. The Shootist came out. In 1977. The Outlaw Josie Wales came out in 1977. I would give Taxi Driver the. Taxi Driver? The Seems win like there. a.
1: Well, yeah, you know. The Shootist is a pretty interesting film, but. This is a really interesting contrast, actually, because I really enjoyed Rocky. Yeah. Taxi Driver is technically, I would say, a better movie. But man, Rocky running up the steps, the theme song, I, punching know, this, out Apollo Creed. It's Yo, it, these Adrian!
0: Are, these are all very just, it's sort of stereotypical. And I know but, this is sort of the origin of the stereotype, perhaps. Well,
1: exactly, exactly. See, you can't but knock buy a movie into the stereotype. just because everybody and copied I Rocky. Up, I don't think it holds up very well. I, and again,
0: the other thing is, I don't think it should have won that year. I think there are other films that I've seen from that year. I've seen The Outlaw Josie Wales. I've seen The Shootist, I've seen Taxi Driver. And personally, I'd put all three of them ahead of Rocky.
1: Wow. Wow, you are not a feel-good type of person, Jake. Not a feel-good type of person at all.
0: Oh, says the guy who had <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. and The Shimbled deer hunter. And the deer hunter on his
1: favorites list. I... All right, number three for you. Number three on my list. Oh, this was, oh, how, how is this not number one on my list? Just looking at it just drives Makes me crazy. Yeah, <laughs> Titanic. Ugh. Titanic I
0: never watched it Because I heard so many Bad things about it You've never watched Titanic? No It was scandalous At the time You know Of course Too much sexual content Right At the time And uh, Then it was like Then by the time I might have then my less discerning years When I might have Gone back to it It was like I want to watch A three hour long movie About this like Sappy Dumb romance And No
1: Yeah It was just Not interested I hated three hours. I, I really disliked the first hour and a half. Literally. And then when the boat started sinking, it started getting good. You were all in. Then I was all in. It was pretty cool because the boat sinks. I mean, that's not cool. <laughs> that's not cool. But but the special effects were nice. You see people falling to their doom, and that was entertaining. <laughs> this is really not showing me in the best of light. Talk about dark. <laughs> yeah. it was. It was just... You know, here's the thing. The best James Cameron movie never sniffed the Oscars. The Abyss was a great, great
0: movie. Very odd movie, though.
1: Aliens was a fantastic movie. Titanic was terrible. (laughs) And I honestly have to say I didn't particularly like uh, that one movie
0: with the blue people. That's all right. That wasn't a good movie. It was just good special effects.
1: Yeah. Uh good pick there. Oh wait, wait, wait. I gotta oh, yeah. tell you what what what, what, would what, what would I have chosen? Anything. I would have chosen anything. <laughs> Any other film. You know, one movie that I would like I would like to think that I might choose might be LA Confidential. That mm. was that year. Um, and I hear great things about it. I have not actually seen it. <laughs> Backlist. <laughs> but Goodwill Hunting also came out that year. I'd give
0: so... that, yeah, for sure.
1: How did what how did Titanic win over Goodwill Hunting? Over Goodwill Hunting. It's ridiculous. 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 How do you <laughs> like them apples?
0: All right, number three for me. This will this will fly in the face of Paul saying I only pick depressing movies because I'm booting a depressing movie out and putting way less depressing movies in. Two thousand five million dollar baby.
1: Oh wow, that this is one, a depressing movie.
0: This one really just felt like it's it's they wanted to give it to something you know that had a message about killing you know and had. Like I'm not saying Clint and Hillary Swank did a bad job. They did technically fine, but it's just Clint not, Eastwood what is great. It's just not an amazing movie like yeah. it's a very depressing movie. It's not all that deep in the end. you know it it's uh, it, it's an okay character study of their relationship, but then it blows it all up in a really weird way that it tries to sell off as compassionate in the end, and it just doesn't and it comes away feeling very empty as a result, yeah. Uh, In 2005, I would have given the best picture to Napoleon Dynamite.
1: Napoleon Dynamite. Was that actually nominated? It was not. Uh, (laughs) Of movies that were nominated, (laughs) I would give it to Finding Neverland. Oh, Finding Neverland. Yeah, that was pretty all right. Million Dollar Baby, yeah. I think that sometimes when Oscars chooses a movie based on the message that it gives – without much regard to the actual quality of the movie, it's a recipe for failure. You know, one of the... I don't know if this made either of our lists, but Crash is... is mm. That's one of those issues types of movies that everybody hates now. Yeah. You know, unlike Moonlight, which was also an issues-oriented movie, I thought it really worked. It almost made my top five. Yeah, honestly. like,
0: is The Shape of Water going to hold up in the light of history as an Oscar winner? <laughs> No, <laughs> yeah. I
1: doubt it. So there you go. All right, number two for you. You know what? I it's funny as I go through these lists, I realize that I have certain biases. I always accuse you of all your biases, That's right. but this will be the second romance in a row that I have chosen yeah. on my least favorite movies. Yeah, and that you had is all
0: those sausage parties and your best, and <laughs> now you're kicking out all the chick flicks the and your worst.
1: Yeah. The English patient. Uh,
0: I remember like this one. I remember because Seinfeld really like gave it what for back in the day.
1: I hated this movie. I really hated the message. Yeah, I hated the. I liked the acting, and I'm still a huge Kristen Scott Scott Thomas (laughs) fan. She's great, and I wish she was in more stuff. But this was a terrible movie. It just was a terrible movie. What's the message of the English Patient? It's like do your own thing and then die in a cave. Perfect. That's essentially what it is. Like it's like the opposite of Crouching Tiger and Dragon. Well, yeah, it's sort of like this message where we're in love and let's not worry about anything else what's right or wrong we're in love let's go off into the desert i'm i'm sort of making this up because i really don't (laughs) know but someone dies in a cave and it's supposed to be really romantic and i thought oh man this is is i feel like i wish i could have died in a cave after (laughs) watching this so if i was going to choose a movie there were some pretty interesting movies this year fargo was here <laughs> jerry Maguire was here i would choose jerry Maguire just so i could put another romance in there it, there you go to make yourself feel a yeah, little better yeah yeah It completes me yeah I mean, it I really does i haven't
0: watched the reason i haven't watched the whole thing i've seen bits and pieces here and there but people appreciate it a lot more in fact it even showed up in the lego batman movie
1: yeah can't go wrong with that so look at that if it's in lego batman look it can't be all that that number
0: two for me from 2007 another depressing movie booted the departed the
1: departed you hated the departed i did not enjoy the departed i have my my best friend since since elementary school he keeps telling me that i need to watch the departed so you're telling me no i walked out in theaters and then (laughs) you walked out
0: on the i walked out on the departed in theaters because it was on my first official date with my now wife back when we were in high school
1: and did you just want to smooch is that
0: why you no were? she like it, it was too violent and, like uh, crass for her
1: she was discerning
0: and so we walked out got her money back and then i was less discerning so when it came out i got it from the library <laughs> because i hated at the time i hate i could not stand not finishing a movie
1: oh gotcha so
0: like i have to know what happened and i didn't enjoy the rest of it until the end when they killed all the people i didn't like which was everybody well don't spoil it for me i've still got to watch it well you'll, you'll figure out how it goes uh, i didn't spoil it for you it is scorsese though, it's right? a yeah it's a scorsese film they gotta kill a bunch of people at the end <laughs> i didn't tell you who they killed <laughs> well you just said everyone well
1: it's a figure of speech okay all right number one on my list uh, we've already mentioned this third straight romance on my list the shape of water uh I just hate How did that w- I still don't understand I still don't understand either It was not a very good movie And I really liked Del Toro I was really looking forward yeah, to it Yeah, because
0: you waxed eloquent about Pan's Labyrinth
1: Pan's Labyrinth is one of the best movies I've seen ever I thought his Hellboys were actually pretty good But man, when you think about all the movies that could have won And probably should have won I have, I actually think I've seen all of the movies Because this was in my this reviewing right, days yeah so they had Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, Three Billboards, Outside Emmy, Missouri, every single yeah. one of those was better than Shape of Water. Absolutely. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah. How did... I still...
0: That's still like... I remember I kind of tuned in just at the end of that Oscars telecast when they announced that like kind of randomly. Yeah. And I hadn't even... I was like... Is this a practical joke? Like did we just John Travolta this thing again? <laughs> it still doesn't make any sense to me. It
1: really doesn't. It really doesn't. Because that was a year of really fantastic movies. Yeah. Ladybird people are still Dunkirk, talking about Get Out Dunkirk Get Out. So they're still talking about three billboards outside Ebbing. There were some fantastic movies and Shape of Water, it's just uh it is shapeless. It is shapeless and watery. Yep
0: well equally enraging to me <laughs> was the one that won in 1995 oh when there were plenty of other great films that should have won in 1995 but the academy decided to award Forrest Gump a dumb movie it was fine it is not even no it was not, it was fine not it fine. was
1: fun it was cool
0: it is it not, was
1: happy no
0: I reject all of those characteristics. (laughs) Forrest Gump is a dumb movie. And Shawshank Redemption came out the same year as that. Well, And Pulp Fiction came out the same year as that. But I would give it to Shawshank Redemption. See,
1: this is the flip side, actually, of those message movies that win just because of the message. Sometimes feel-good messages, sometimes feel-good movies win just because they make you feel good even if they're not particularly great movies. That was not a great movie. It was a fine movie, but I would agree it's probably not Shawshank Redemption fine. That was a really good movie.
0: Such a good movie. So, there you go. There you go. The best and worst of the Oscars, according to us. And so that's the final word. It's the final word. No arguing. (laughs) Actually, you can argue with us all you want. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. Now it's time for the most least important thing. Here we are in the most least important thing, the place we come to at the end of every show to talk about what we really want to talk about. Yeah. All this was just preamble. All, it's all preamble leading up to the most least important thing, where we just talk about whatever and make a big deal or small deal out of things that are opposite of what we you know might have said <laughs> otherwise. So <laughs> I'm going to kick us off with an update on Harvey Weinstein. Yes Harvey Weinstein A very famously, timely
1: Most least important thing. Right Famously uh,
0: Was The figurehead The villain Of the Me Too movement Correct Because That was What sort of Started this flood Of Women Coming forward And Talking about The men in power Who abused them Right Sexually And Weinstein Was the poster boy Of the Me Too movement Because it Came to bear That Came to the public knowledge that he likely abused many, many women.
1: Really terribly. Really
0: terribly. In horrible ways. Yeah. Uh, He has been found guilty on two counts uh, now. Not all of the counts that he was charged with because some of them have very high burden of proof. Uh, But he was found guilty of rape in the third degree. In a landmark trial, and he was also found guilty of criminal sexual acts in the first degree against another victim. And so, uh, this has been a long time. It's been multiple years, and uh, a lot has come from these women being willing to stand up. And of course, a, a court verdict is not ultimate justice in no. any way. No, but it can never erase what happened. That's right. But it does mark an important victory for some of these women in that he is being held to account for some of his actions. And hopefully that will serve as a template for others to get a measure of justice. And so
1: I wanted to acknowledge that. It was a big news story, for sure. Mine, if yours was the most important thing, mine is the least important (laughs) thing. Because I have an announcement to make. Oh. An announcement. Well, this is not a personal announcement. This okay. is this is just an announcement for your shopping pleasure. Okay. If you have ever wanted to smell McDonald's hamburgers in your very own home without actually eating McDonald's hamburgers mm. in your very own home, they're now selling candles. McDonald's is selling candles. Selling candles. That's correct. That will... Give off the aroma. They, they, they're they actually six different candles that you light. And if you light them all at once, they'll smell exactly like a Quarter Pounder or a Big Mac or something like that. Wait, so I had to get all six. So yes. one smells like a tomato. Correct. So six candles, they smell like the bun, the ketchup, the onions, the beef, the pickles, and the cheese. Now— if you ask me, the only smells worth really having are probably the beef and the cheese. And the buns. But, see, when I was a younger man, <laughs> there were times when I would when eat I was Mc... a young warthog, <laughs> when he would... was a young warthog. <laughs> I would sometimes eat McDonald's in my car. Uh-huh. My car did not smell like anything I wanted to smell ever again <laughs> from the smell of those quarter pounders in there. I I, I am not a McDonald's hamburger hater. Sure. I think that they're pretty tasty. But once you eat one, you don't want to smell it anymore. Right. It's not one of those foods where you want most foods, even the
0: most delicious of foods, often aren't the, sm- the after smell is not really what you want lingering. Right. There's very few foods that I've found... In history, that are ones that I'm like, I like that that's lingering. (laughs) Banana bread. Banana bread. Fresh 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 baked breads? Yes. Are some of those?
1: Yes, I think that almost any sort of bread qualifies. A pie. Pie? Yes, I would agree. Fast food hamburgers? No. No. No, No, just say no. How many calories are in those (laughs) cents? I mean... If I'm, I'm gonna, getting if fatter I'm gonna just get, talking yeah, about if I'm
0: going to get fat off of you know a McDonald's scent, like I want to at least have eaten yeah. the food, not just be getting fat off the candles. Yeah, you know, I don't want to buy six candles to get the smell. Give me <laughs> one candle. <laughs> you would think, like, right? Yeah,
1: just make no, a hammer, I agree.
0: A quarter pounder candle. They make you know they've made cheeseburger but chips it's, before.
1: It's a complex barrage of flavors i mean it's sort of like the the jelly beans that you eat to to like combine you can combine them all it would be really hard to make one jelly bean that tastes completely like a quarter pounder so i would assume it's the same thing with for smells sure right but like does american cheese really have a scent oh american cheese definitely has a scent. plastic (laughs) it's really tasty i just had american cheese on my sandwich it's very melty it is very melty and and tasty and yeah. smelly. Good, smelly. Yeah. Unless
0: you eat it, in which case you don't want to smell it. Anymore. Well, there you go. Are you guys going to buy 6 McDonald's candles? I'm also su- sort of surprised they don't like sell it in a diffuser.
1: Oh. You know, that I could oh. totally see this being like an essential oils. So, like diffuser thing. I'll tell you what, the next time we have a podcast in my office, I am getting some of those McDonald's candles and we can Are just you? sort of, yeah. All yeah. right, I'm going to hold you to that. All right. Write it down. Uh,
0: That does it for us this time on Pop Culture with Fanboy. Know it all. Let us know all about how incredibly stupid our opinions are. (laughs) On Twitter, I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Bye.